Good, there's a few smiles out there. Hello, just checking if you're awake. Okay, Thursday night, we had a lovely prayer meeting here. And uh, we're just, we're really sensing the Lord speaking a lot to us about just waiting on God. You know, we rush into things, we want to do things. And I think we're learning more and more, Marion would nod there, about actually waiting, just just waiting. And uh, so we, we looked at Psalm 37 at one point, and it talks about uh, how the... Um, the enemies of God, uh, you know, around. He said, "Don't, don't be too worried about." It. Let me read that, if I may. Uh-huh. Just a little bit of Psalm thirty-seven, and then we'll pray. Eventually, do not fret because of those who are evil. Do not be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither; the green plants, they will soon die away. But trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to know this. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Two million of them for one man. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. But refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret, it only leads to evil. But those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. What a wonderful promise of hope, isn't it? In a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek shall inherit the earth. What a wonderful truth, isn't it? How we, you know, we wait on the Lord not to be dismayed by what we see out there. Do what we can, trust in the Lord, and He will bring it to pass. And the word, the word I want to pray about this morning, and it's been building up. I'm trying to really get my head around this. Is is how uh, counter, not politically correct. I'm not trying to say that. How counter the way that the way Jesus works is counter to the ways of the world. And I just, uh, just want to share this passage from Luke 7. And remember who's talking. Who, who is this talking to us? But to you who are listening, I say. But to you who are listening, I say. But to you who are listening, I say. Who is saying? Who is he? Jesus. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies do good to those who curse, uh, those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. And then he goes on. Isn't that an interesting thing? You know, we, we want to get into fighting back and, and, and doing this. But God says to us, bless them, pray for them. That's not to say we, we don't uh, resist evil. But those that are persecuting and are doing things, God says, bless them so that they might... Have a change of heart. It's interesting, isn't it? So let's just pray that way for you. Just join together. Dear God, Lord, help us to have soft hearts. Lord, we so often are so reactive and somebody punches us, we want to punch them back. Somebody's rude to us, Lord, and, and so the cycle goes on and the cycle repeats. But, Lord, you, you speak to us about doing things differently. So where there is poverty, Lord, you speak so, so into the poverty to make a change. Lord, where there is anger, you say, let that go and let your peace come. Lord, help us as, as your people today to take those words. You remind us, Lord, 
that it's you that's speaking. It's you that encourage us, Lord, to hear those that hear my words. Pray for your enemies. Lord, that's hard. Soften our hearts. Fill our hearts with the love that you have, the hope that you give us. Lord, because this world will pass away quickly, all those that stand against you, Lord, will perish. Lord, in your judgment, have mercy. For, Lord, we know their end. Help us to be a compassionate people. Help us, oh God, to have a soft heart. Lord, to hear your words. Oh God, the hard words to receive because we're such a, a materialistic world and such a, a world that uh, want our rights and, and our me, me, me. But oh God, you say bless, reach out, bless them, do something in my name. So oh God, this morning we thank you that we can come and Lord, to celebrate you as a father and the goodness Lord, we thank you we can hear about works like compassion and others, Lord, that minister and reach out to children without hope. And, Lord, we thank you that you touch lives, you change lives. And many of those children, Lord, have an eternal hope. (laughs) What an amazing thing that is, Lord, because this world will pass away. But those, Lord, that know you and turn to you and trust you, Lord, you give them an eternal hope. Oh, God, help us to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear David, come and uh, share with us. Thank you so much. We're all good. All right. Is that going to work? You all good? Jesus said, why callest thou me good? Only God is good. That's true. Well, it's so wonderful to be with you. And um, after the service, uh, the girls, uh, Carol and Sarah, they love this part. Stand up, girls. They'd be happy to talk to you about it. Yes. They're volunteers and they're happy to talk to you about children. Um, who could be sponsored. And for those online, we do have a QR code that's in your Facebook that uh, there's children online as well from Ghana, the region where you are already working with children in the school. And um, we want to join with you and make a difference. Because we're on this planet to make a difference. Amen? We're not here just to exist. But what interesting days we live in. My goodness. People are feeling incredibly unsettled. Over the last two and a half years, we've had COVID-19. We've had Ukrainian invasion take place. We've had threats from Russia, North Korea, even China. Climate change, floods, fires, inflation, cost of living, interest rates. It just goes on and on. It's it's unbelievable. The last couple of years, um, not just Adelaide has been affected, but the world has been affected. And so people are unsettled. There's great uncertainty. It was on the news that it's unprecedented the amount of people that have left their jobs. 
in the last couple of years changed their employment. And again, that's, I think, people reflecting on life and um, being in a place of great uncertainty. And so um, the insecurity that we're seeing around us, I just want to add, Jesus is still on the throne now. Come on. He knows what's cooking. And um, he knows that at this point, the society, people are asking significant questions. Now, we um, celebrated Pentecost a couple of weeks ago. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're empowered. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Well, I think that we've been empowered to see the miraculous of God. Amen? Who wants to see the miraculous of God? Yeah. But also, I think that we've been empowered to answer some questions. Questions of life. Now, I'll try this again. See how we... Woo! Yeah, come on. It's cooking. Questions of life. People are asking questions of life. And for us as the church, we are here empowered to bring answers And Jesus said to the disciples, I'll make you fishes of men. You've got to know what fish you're trying to catch. If you're fishing in salt water, fresh water, are you after marlin or are you after trout? Who are you after? And I think it's important for the Australian church, the Adelaide church, for us to read our community to know what type of fish we're called to catch. Because you are here to catch fish. That is a metaphor, of course. (laughs) And part of that is to be empowered to answer some questions, questions of life that people ask, that you probably did ask before you became a Christian. Or you may be even asking the questions now. Maybe you're on a journey that you've not made a decision for Christ as yet. And you're on a journey, and part of that journey is asking questions. I know I did. I got saved, my goodness, some 40 years ago now. I was eight years old. (laughs) All right, I was a bit older. (laughs) But I, I was an alternative lifestyler. I don't know if I told you this. I was an alternative lifestyler. I used to have long, flowing hair. I'd just like to dwell on that for a moment. <laughs> and uh, I was building a mud brick house in Tasmania. In those days, you could buy land very cheap in Tasmania. So we moved across to Tasmania, bought some land, lived in a tent for two years, made mud bricks and built a house. And then I came to, uh, back to Adelaide and I saw my brother... Well, actually, I didn't see him. People told me about my brother. They came up to me and said, oh, you know, your brother goes to church now. I said, what? Yeah, he goes to church now. I thought, what's going on here? Because the last time I'd seen him, he was drunk as a skunk, 
celebrating me leaving, going to Tasmania. <laughs> so, yeah, when I caught up with him, he started telling me what had happened, and that Jesus had come into his life, and most of the stuff that he said just flew straight over my head. But I saw something. There was something that had happened. And so we were in Adelaide for about two, three weeks, and every day I was catching up with him because I was asking him questions. I wanted answers to questions. And at the end of that two weeks, three weeks that I was here, I really, I didn't know at the time, but I'd come under conviction. And I said, if you're real God, I'll follow you. I'm a Christian. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I'd made a decision. And I came back to Tasmania. And I was living with a girl. And she thought I'd gone nuts. And I said, I'm following God now. And about two weeks later, I was in the middle of the paddock of this bush block that we bought. And the Spirit of God came upon me. And just made the reality of Jesus so real. And I can say some 40 years later, here I am stood in front of you good people talking about Jesus because he came and changed me. I'm pleased to say that um, that girl became a Christian herself and actually married me and she's here today. <laughs> so we're pleased about that. Um, one of the questions that people ask, is there a God? Google tells us that there's 4,300 plus religions in the world. So if there is no God, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. So if there is no God, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die and that's it. Good night, nurse. The end. Evolution says that there is no God. Evolution extracts God. And when you ask the three big questions of who am I, why am I here and where am I going, evolution says, who am I? You're an accident. Why am I here? No reason. And where am I going? Nowhere. I mean, that's really cheery, isn't it? <laughs> but that is the underlying teaching in our education system. However, the Bible says in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that there is no excuse. In other words, all of creation that you and I see speak of God, his creative ability, the God of this universe, the God who spoke and brought light into being. God said, light be, and light was. So if there is a God, then the next question is, who is he? Because you've got 
these 4,300 different religions. You've got Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Sikhism, Rastafarian, Shinto, Baha'i. You've got the multicultural God. You've got the, the God that can't make up his mind God, the compromise God. Let's get along with everybody God. You've got all these gods. And, the, and it's a genuine question that if you establish, you decide that there is a God. But you see, even when I was a little boy, I used to believe there was a God, but I just didn't know him. I used to think, this can't all have just happened. There has to be something behind this. Who is he? And we as the church have got to be established and empowered to bring answers to these questions. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible reveals who God is. This is about God and about you. God's so big on identity. There's genealogies all over the place. In fact, the New Testament starts with the genealogy. And God's saying, I know you. I have the very hairs of your head counted. Didn't take him long to count mine. <laughs> I think I've got a bit of a complex, but that's all right. Um... It's knowing who God is. And the Bible tells us that God is spirit. God is love. That God has declared himself Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even in Jesus' ministry, when he came to the planet as a baby... He had to develop and grow and come to an understanding of his own identity. In Luke 4, when he, went, he began his ministry, the devil came to him and challenged him on his identity. If you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus retorted and said, he quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was saying to the devil, I'm not going to perform for you to, to prove who I am. The word of God proves who I am. The word of God speaks to me. And the word of God speaks to me of who I am and who you are. In fact, Jesus went on in Matthew 16 to say to the disciples, who do men say that I am? See, God all the time is talking about identity. And the disciples said, oh, some say um, John the Baptist come raised from the dead. Jeremiah, one of the prophets, yeah, but he said, who do you say that I am? And then Peter pipes up and says, you are the Christ. I like the King James. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church, 
Not the rock of Peter, but the rock of what Peter got, which was revelation of the identity. And God revealed it. My Father in heaven's revealed this to you. When I was in that paddock in Tasmania, the Father from heaven revealed Christ to me. And you're here today. Either you're on a journey to get that revelation or you've had that revelation that at some stage the Spirit of God has spoken to you and revealed who Jesus was and is today. How good's that? In fact, Jesus, right at the end of his ministry, again speaking about identity, when he when they took Passover, the Last Supper we call it, but they were having Passover, and it says he broke the bread. He broke that bread into three pieces because that's what they practiced. And it represented Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he would have taken the middle piece and held it up and said, I am the Isaac. He's speaking to these Hebrew boys who part of their education was to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, memorize the first five books of the Bible. I have trouble with my kids' names. And Jesus would have held it up and said, I am the Isaac. Except this time God's going to go through with it. Because with Abraham and Isaac, if you know the story, Father Abraham took his son Isaac onto Mount Moriah, laid him on the altar and was about to sacrifice him. And God said, stay thy hand. Another King James. Stay thy hand. But this time, at Calvary, God was not going to stay his hand. He was going to go through with it. You see, even to this day in Israel, as they celebrate Passover, they take that middle piece of matzah bread and they wrap it in a napkin and hide it. And then the children come in and they start looking around, trying to find Isaac. We want to find Isaac. See, Israel today is still looking for Isaac. Jesus said, I am the Isaac. Come on. This is our God. Revealing himself. Wonderful God. Is there a God? Yes. Who is he? I believe the Son of God is Jesus Christ. God manifest in the flesh. And now I follow him and been following him for 40 years. And you get the ups and downs of life. I remember when I got saved and um, I went to church And the preacher said to me, now listen, everything's going to be wonderful now. I thought, that's good. You're going to go to heaven. I said, that's good. But he didn't tell me that life still happened. Because the ups and downs of life still happen. Don't make me feel alone here. 
We all have challenges in life. We all have stuff that happens. Sometimes it's terrible stuff. But God has been with us through everything. So as I went or came to that place of following Christ, the next question, and this is the question that follows people who are on a journey of wanting to discover, is who am I? Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. People belong to God, whether they believe or not, they still belong to God. Why? Because they're created in the image of God, as the Bible tells me. Our job as the church is not to judge people, but to let them know that they belong. They belong to God. Our job is not judging. That's Jesus' job. When he returns, he will bring judgment to the earth. And he is coming back. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You're all going to get a new hairdo when he comes back, boing. Um, The scriptures tell us who we are. We are in the image of God. God is spirit. You are spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. You've got to have one of these. This magnificent specimen that you can see before you. I live in this, but that is not me. The me is inside. My spirit is the life force. That's the image of God. I have a soul and I live in this body and I've realized with this body that as you get older, things start to slow down and not work as well as what they used to do. When you're 20, 30, 40 even, you think you're immortal. When you get over 50 and then into your 60s, not that I'd know. But um, (laughs) things start to change. Things start to drop. Things don't work as well as what they used to do. I... I'm learning to adapt to older life now. That's amazing. On the inside, I'm about 19. The outside is just, I look in the mirror in the morning and I think, who's that? (laughs) Who is that? That's not me. We've got a message to the community and it's to answer their question when they say, who am I? You belong to God. You have a future with God. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Spirit and soul are different. They're very close, but they're different. Your spirit is the image of God. Your soul is your self-expression how you express yourself through your soul. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the joints and the marrow of the soul and the spirit. The word of God will divide the soul and the spirit. They're very close. 
Your spirit is self-giving. Your soul is self-expression. And your body is self-serving. Your biggest problem, my biggest problem is not the devil. He does not help, but he's not my biggest problem. My biggest problem, guess who? Me. Your biggest problem is you. Come on. It's your flesh. Paul says, learn to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The flesh is my battle area and the devil doesn't help. Not that I have a visitation from the devil, but I'll have visitation from demonic forces and I'll come to your head because the devil is not omnipresent. Some people say, oh, the devil came. No, he didn't. Highly unlikely. Demons, yes. But the devil himself, he's not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. The devil's fast, but he's not omnipresent. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That's our message, that people belong. Who am I? I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in the body, and I belong to God. Why am I here? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said, and all the things shall be added to you. You're here for a purpose. You have a purpose, and that is to love God and to love people. Loving God's wonderful. The hard work is loving you. Come on. People are not easy to love sometimes. There are lovable people, yeah? I mean, I know everybody in this church loves everybody just so wonderfully. But conflict does come. Challenges do come. Amen? And we're called... This is our purpose, and you've got it on your sign outside. Love God and love people. If it had just left it at love God, it would have been so easy. But he added love people. Come on. Love people as yourself. Advancing the kingdom of God. That's what you're here for, not just to have church on Sunday, but to advance the kingdom of God. We are here for a purpose. You've been equipped for that purpose. You have faith, hope and love inside of you. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. How good's that? That's me. I think in the church we tend to forget that. You, you are equipped for everything that you need to do for God. Don't go ask God for more love. You've got all the love you're going to get. Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You've got all the love you need. You've got all the faith you need. Romans 12, 3. To every person has been given the measure of faith. You've got all the faith you need. The, The deal is learning to get it out. People ask, oh, God, give me more faith. And I'm sure God's in heaven going, you've got all you're going to get. You've got to learn to use it. Because if you've got a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. 
Imagine the damage you're going to do if you've got a bucket load of the stuff. And you've got everything inside of you to do what God needs you to do on this planet. I want to encourage you with your Bible studies. The word of God is critical for us to operate and live out advancing the kingdom of God. That's not to become religious or legalistic. But we need the word. This is spirit. This is fuel for the stuff that's inside of you and I. One of the biggest challenges of the 21st century church is biblical illiteracy. People are too busy to read their Bibles. My encouragement is make time. Listen to it on CD. I don't know if we have CDs anymore. They're finished, aren't they? I was going to say cassettes. That would have been the classic, that one. Cassettes. But I want to encourage you, the word became flesh and the word wants to become flesh in you and I. And finally, everybody say finally. Finally. Didn't have to shout that. (laughs) Where am I going? And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Because people want to know about afterlife. Um, It annoys me on TV, they've got these adverts for funerals. You know, I remember one advert and they had the the daughter and the husband, and I assume the husband of the departed, and she's stroking his arm and, oh, I'm glad we had the $15,000 funeral insurance. And I'm glad they did, so they could bury her. But what annoyed me is the question was not asked, where's she gone? Because it's for eternity, she's going somewhere. Now, if there is no God, she'll just cease to exist and it'll be blackness, I assume. But if there is a God, according to the Bible, then there's a place where you will be going. Now, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher, But the Bible's fairly clear that you'll either be with God or separated from God. And the separation from God is described as a place of torment and anguish. That's why Jesus came to save. Um, The the world has this behavioral answer. If you're a good person, you'll get to heaven. No, the Bible says very clearly, being, your behavior's got nothing to do with getting to heaven. Nothing. Now, that's not a license to be naughty, but your behavior's not going to establish you going to heaven. Oh, they were a good person, they'll be up there. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man. All woman comes to the Father, but through me. It's because he paid the price to satisfy justice that demanded payment.
I thank God for his grace towards me because I'm, I'm a broken man. And I never needed discipleship on learning how to do naughty things. I just did it naturally. I was very good at it. Still am if allowed to. Come on, don't look at me like that. You're the same. It's by his grace that Christ was punished. My father, who's gone to be with the Lord now, was a magistrate. And I give this example because some people have said to me, well, if God really loves me, why would he separate me from him? Why would he send me to hell? Why would he demand payment from me? And I give the example, my father was a magistrate and if I'd have been speeding, going 61 in the 60 zone, then, and I'd have gone to his court, he would have come up and sat up on the bench and I would have looked up and thought, you beauty, it's my dad. He loves me. I've got the good looks from him. He's, he's just going to be kind to me. And he would have said, David, I do love you. You are a good looking man. <laughs> However, justice demands payment and that'll be $542. That's amazing that I know that. $542 and payment demands that pay the price because God is a God of justice and there's a demand upon a demand from justice of payment to pay the price and Jesus paid the price for you and I that's the good news so don't get trapped or drawn into being behaving and people saying, oh, well, they were a good person. That's got nothing to do with the eternity. It's got everything to do with what Jesus did. And he paid the price for you and I. And the good news is, where am I going? And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. In Revelation, and Jesus himself said in John 8, I'm not from here, I'm from above. Heaven is a real place. The streets are paved with gold. No bitumen there, it's gold. God's presence lights up the place. There's 12 gates in this new Jerusalem. Each gate is made by one pearl. Imagine the size of the oyster. <laughs> you and I have got a future. Man, it's going to be something else. You're going to have a body that walks through walls, eats, can disappear. How do I know this? Because Jesus did that after his resurrection. He walked through walls. He disappeared. Though you won't have to worry about Qantas. You just go. I'm gone. And you're gonna, it's going to be immortal. It's a body that's not going to die. You're going to have this body for the rest of eternity. Come on. 
I want to be six foot two, eyes are blue, long flowing hair. <clears throat> Some young people said to me, how old are you going to be when you're in heaven? I thought, that's a good question. I'll get some scripture on that. And I found some. Do you want to know how old you're going to be when you're in heaven? It says in 1 Corinthians 15, as he is, so we shall be. How old was Jesus when he died? That'll do me. I told this to a a young youth group and they all went oh that's so old <laughs> I said no 33 is good is anybody happy with 33 here yeah see those heads well you are going to be of some age and that as he is so we shall be I'll take that we are here to answer questions of life that's part of it. It's not the whole thing, but it's part of it. I want to encourage you, be equipped. And if you're on the journey and you've not made that step, please keep asking questions. Ask questions. No question is a wrong question. Ask the question. Challenge us. But the change comes when the Spirit of God moves on a person that's the change you and I cannot convert anybody that's not our job our job is to testify to witness to the goodness of God answer questions be empowered for that but I've never converted anybody and if, if I did they're not it's him Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and upon this rock I will build my church. We need the revelation. That's what brings the change. That's why I do what I do. That's why I love God. That's why I'm called and I do love people. It's hard sometimes. It's wonderful what a God we serve. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or even imagine. Now this is the kicker. According to the power that works within us. Luke 17. The kingdom of God is within. That's the secret. It's inside. I want to show you a video as we close of the, a young man that was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl in Adelaide. And you can see the massive difference that his life has taken by the revealing of God to him and the sponsorship that was done by a young girl I want to um, it's 
say if there's anybody here that's on a journey and you would like to know more about and ask further questions, come and see Pastor Sam, one of the leaders in the church, and keep asking those questions. Jesus promised this. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. God's looking for people that will seek him. Father, we thank you for your word. For your word is truth. And if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. We give you thanks for Jesus, that he came and paid the price for each one of us. And we bless him and we thank him for this new life and the eternal life that is given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have that video, that would be great. My father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. My mother had no job, my father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof, it was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets placed just where the holes in the roof are and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day, that this was life. Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager she had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you, Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. June the 3rd, 1996, I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. 
I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in. It's deep. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. Amazing testimony, isn't it? Of, of the work of compassion. Uh, we're, we're planning on having another song, but I think because of time we'll, we'll finish the service here. But I do want to thank David. Can we thank David for coming and his wife as well? And uh, they're going to be manning the station up the back. I know many of us uh, in, as individuals and families do already sponsor children. If you've felt moved uh, this morning to partner with Compassion, I invite you to do that. Also on our Facebook Together page, there is a QR code uh, that you can scan uh, in your own time that will take you to uh, the possibilities of, of our church sponsoring some of these kids that you've, you've seen uh, on your seats. Um, but I do want to just also say, um, as David shared, that that time in his field when the, the Spirit of God came upon him and, and revealed himself, you know, there, there might be some of you who are on that journey and you want to learn and know more about who Jesus is, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, there's an opportunity after the service to do that. Uh, we have some prayers in the prayer room if you have any specific needs, uh, that or anything else, and you'd just love to have someone just come alongside you and just hear your story, hear what you're going through, and just encourage you in the Lord, uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, but apart from that, I invite us now just to have some time of fellowship, I invite you to have a coffee, stay around, and please um, have a chat with Dave and the team here and, and hear some more stories and that sort of thing. So Lord, we thank you for your time here this morning. We thank you that you are who you are and that you have called us and that we have an identity in you, that we are saved by grace and that we've been given a mission, given a purpose to go and change the world in Jesus' name. And we just pray that that would be a reality for each and every one of us here in this space as we go into our weeks, into our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. See you next week.